folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics. All right, now we welcome into the show my friend Bobby Peters, who breaks down NFL offenses like no other human being that I have ever met in my life. And he has a new book, The 2020 Green Bay Packers Complete Offensive Manual. And I just thought it was great, Bobby, that we could bring you on to talk about your book and how Jordan Love is going to fit in this offense, or Derek Carr, or... I don't know, whoever is playing quarterback for the Green Bay Packers that is not Aaron Rodgers. So how are you, Bobby? Welcome back. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And as a as a person who grew up a Chicago Bears fan, you know, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing right now is probably the best thing going for the Bears in the last couple of years. So definitely <laughs> uh, enjoy discussing that. Yes. And by the way, still waiting. You're covering the rest of the division, still waiting on the Minnesota Vikings offense. I guess when it's a Gary Kubiak offense and it's probably – the same as uh, Gary Kubiak offense was in like 2012 or 1997, then maybe uh, you don't have too many wrinkles to break down for it. But I, I'll be waiting on that one. Maybe the Clint Kubiak 2021 version for the Vikings will come eventually. But I do. I want to. I want to talk about this process for you writing these books because we've we've brought you on a number of times to break down X's and O's, and I really feel like people in, enjoy listening to you talk about how offenses work. But you watch every play and break down every play and then track numbers on how often these teams use every play, which makes me think that you have as many hobbies as I do. But I I just think, I just think it's really a fascinating process when you started doing it was the Philadelphia Eagles third down book. I wonder what you have kind of like taken away about NFL offenses since you decided, Hey, I'm going to actually track every play and then write about it. So the philosophies, obviously, from team to team are different. Um, I think the biggest com- uh, compare and contrast that, that I have right now is this Packers offense from this year with the San Francisco offense from 2019. You know, obviously, Matt LaFleur doesn't, you know, he's, he's a branch on the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Um, you know, he's not, far, you're not, not too far removed from coaching with Kyle uh, back in Atlanta. But the offenses are very different. They, they're, they're foundationally similar as they're built around the zone running scheme but how they execute it and all the different stuff they do around it, how they game plan was very different um, from, from those two offenses that I studied. So 
um, that's that's a very interesting thing to look at. You know, it's, it's something that's you would think, oh, oh, the, oh, you know, the Packers they're just running the 49ers offense. Well, they're it's not even close. That is really interesting because I think we kind of bucket these offenses into, oh, it's a Kubiak or Shanahan style, and that's just what they do. And so, you know, just go forward with it. Um, But that is interesting. I I wonder why you think it was that last year it worked so well for Aaron Rodgers because the year before Aaron Rodgers, you know, is sort of adapting to a completely different style when it was Mike McCarthy, he's in the shotgun all the time. And it seemed like everything had to be done by Aaron Rodgers, that if he wasn't making a big time throw, then no throw was going to happen at that point. He was just throwing it out of bounds all the time. And that led to a lot of people. I jokingly said it, but there was some truth to it thinking Rodgers was washed and because his numbers were starting to dip. And then all of a sudden last year, he comes back with an MVP. How much had to do with that offense? Because I feel like this is really centric to the debate with Rodgers, where I, I think the team feels like we actually have helped you a lot. And it, it is the coaching and it is Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones and everyone else. And then Rodgers feels like, no, actually you haven't done enough because you should be giving me more weapons. Like how much did this offense enhance what Aaron Rodgers did last year? So let's start specifically with Rodgers. So I think, I think the framework of Matt LaFleur's system provides Aaron Rodgers with the ability to play within the structure of the offense more than what he did under Mike McCarthy. Um, they, they do, the coaching staff does a great job of, of getting receivers open, scheming his first read open. Um, one of the themes that you'll see, you know, as you read the book is, Devontae Adams is almost every single time the first read in, in Aaron Rodgers' progression. And if he's one-on-one, the ball's going there. So that's, you know, that's getting the ball out on time and in rhythm, you know, to your best receiver as often as possible. I mean, that's, that's just good practical coaching. Um, the second piece to that is the, the running game and the ability to keep Rodgers in, you know, good situations and not behind the chains. Um, I want to say the Packers, when they saw two high safeties, so typically, you know, NFL defense or defenses at, at any level, when you see two high safeties, offensive coordinators want to run the ball because there's one less guy in the box. The Packers did an excellent job of running against two high safety structures, um, and they saw plenty of them because when Aaron Rodgers was your quarterback, you know you want to protect your, your, your in the back, you want to protect your corners as much as you can with safety help. So Packers saw a ton of two high safety looks, especially on early downs, and they ran the ball against them very well. And and to me, the biggest difference between a couple of years ago with Mike McCarthy and now with with Matt Lafleur is the it seems like the offensive line and the running backs and the receivers are coached up and they spend a lot more time on the run game. And actually you could come up with some player quotes that said that um, where players admit that, yeah, you know, we, we spend a lot more time on the run game now and it shows, it shows on game day. It does. And this is something that I would sort of um, contest, but also in, in weirdly like endorse. So I'm sort of in a strange spot with it, with the Vikings offense, because I think it drives people crazy how much they run Delvin Cook. And those people are right to say that, hey, look, second down and 10, second down and 12 is not a time to hand off because you're going to end up with second down and six, even if it's a good run. Um, at the same time, though, it's very clear to me that these offenses that are operating where it's starts with the run and then everything goes off of that, that when you have a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, he's elevated to MVP. It it helps a lot to have that running game. And with even Kirk Cousins, his efficiency has been incredibly high. Jared Goff, when Todd Gurley was great, his efficiency was very high. And the same thing for San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you need the quarterback to do something great at some point during the game, because you get to spots where it's third down and 12 and the, the game is on the line. You need something. And this is where Aaron 
Rodgers clearly is you know, the, the greatest in the world, him and Patrick Mahomes, at doing that. Um, so I, I just think that that's sort of fascinating that we're in a world where everyone is talking about you need to pass more, and that's right, and yet still the run game is fundamental to succeeding offensively. Right. I think, you know, with, with talking about, you know, the whole pass more thing, I think, yeah, I mean, this, the, the data shows that passing is more efficient. But there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that, too. You know, what the defense is doing game plan wise to take away what you're trying to do and all that sort of stuff. So tell me um, if Aaron Rodgers is not in this offense, if it's someone else, how different is it for Green Bay? Like how much could this offensive setup bolster someone else? I think the crazy thing is it honestly probably won't look too much different from the 2020 version um, as far as scheme-wise. Like, I mean, production-wise, you know, who knows? Obviously, it's not going to, you know, when you, when you take that step down in quarterback play, it's going to be a, a huge difference in production. But scheme-wise, I mean, they did anything and everything to help Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, last year and even 2019 as well, but even more so in 2020. Um, you know, heavy reliance on the run game, a lot of boot action. Um, they got him out on the pocket on the keepers a lot. Um and then in the drop back game, you know, getting the ball out quick, getting the ball to, you know, Devontae Adams as much as possible. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't, you know, obviously, you know, they ran a ton of RPOs too. So maybe, you know, they cut back on some of the RPOs and just call stricter run, run plays and, and give the quarterback less freedom in that sense. But um, it, one of the differences too is, you know, with the Shanahan style offense, this is something that most of those guys, like McVay does it too, is they'll call a play in the huddle and then they'll have a can to a second play if the defense lines up in a certain look or if, you know, just depending on game plan stuff, right? Like they, they have they have a one play called and they can kill it or can it to a second play depending on how they game plan it. Well, in 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 the Packers case when you got Aaron Rodgers, you know, he would he would occasionally, not all the time, he would occasionally wholesale change the play at the line of scrimmage and change route concepts and stuff. And obviously, you know, when you have a quarterback like that, that that ends up pretty well for you most of the time. So I think that part of the offense will curtail back to you know, the more the more Shanahan McVay style of, you know, hey, we're just going to call it, run it, you know, and then we'll have a second play if they give us a look we don't like or if we want to can it into, and you know, an advantageous look as well. Yeah, I guess um, that, but that, overall, I – oh, oh go sorry. ahead. Well, I was just going to say that sort of alludes to, like, my question is, so let's say they trade for Derek Carr. I mean, it sounds like you're just going to get a bit of a poor man's version, but, you know, it's not – like, he could be elevated by this offense as well and helped by it and could handle it mentally, whereas with Jordan Love, if, if you go to a quarterback who is inexperienced, there might be a, a, a difference in how much you can do. Like, there's only so much that Matt LaFleur can just call in plays and, and design anything else, and there's that extra reliance on the quarterback to make some of his own decisions is kind of how I'm hearing it. For sure. And a guy like Derek Carr, I mean, he, he proved this is what year two or year three under John Gruden. And he, you know, he, I mean, he executed that offense perfectly. They have, they have so many checks with line scrimmage. I mean, he was doing a ton pre-snap and even post-snap too. He had an incredible 2020 season. Um, but the thing, the thing with these, with any offense, really, it's not, it's not unique to, you know, a Matt LaFleur offense. I mean, even though he did kind of simplify his scheme in 2020, year one in an offense compared to year two is night and day. Look at the, you know, the, the Falcons, you know, with Matt Ryan back when Kyle Shanahan was there, you know, year two is when they took off, you know, this year with Aaron Rodgers was year two under Matt LaFleur. So that's, that's when that big jump is made uh, typically in these offenses. And so say they do trade for a guy like Derek Carr, you know, it might not look exactly how you want it this year, but in year two, you know, you'd probably see that, that next level jump. So you study a lot of these and I want to ask you about some Vikings things here in a second. But, um, and, and I know that you don't like questions like this, so I'm going to ask it on purpose because you're a football guy and you break down football and you're not like a media guy with hot takes. But 
where do you rank someone like LaFleur? I mean, do you put him in the upper echelon? Because I guess this is the thing that I just sort of don't know how to separate is your coach from how good your quarterback is. And, and last year, we have to remember, too, Aaron Rodgers is in an environment with fans not in the stands and, uh, you know, the OTAs and minicamps didn't happen. So defenses were behind from the very outset. The, the most offensive friendly environment that's ever existed that will not probably uh, exist this year if they end up having a different quarterback. And I guess I wonder if you think like, sorry, folks, this is uh, one of the best coaches in the NFL or, well, look, I mean, he's running a very nice offense, but it, it was probably Rodgers in the environment. Um, so this, this question isn't so hot takey in my opinion. I think it's a very practical exercise. So, um, you know, somewhere in the middle on that one, but he, so to me, this is a tough one for me. And I kind of go back and forth on this a lot. Um, so in the coaching world and, you know, myself being a young coach, sometimes I can get caught up with, you know, kind of the 49ers way of thinking of, let's just add new concepts. Let's take advantage. Let's, let's game plan this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's add this in. Let's run this cool play. Um, whereas a guy like Matt LaFleur this year, he, they made the hard decision to say, hey, let's cut a lot of crap out of the offense. Let's get really good at our base run schemes. Let's get really good at these pass concepts that feature our best receiver. And let's coach the heck out of the technique and get really good at them. And that's what they did. Um, so I think, you know, that's why I have a hard time because I see, you know, an offense like the 49ers just adding new stuff and, you know, you know how great that stuff looks every week. And, but then you see the Packers run almost the same plays every week, but they run it at a high level because they're, well, number one, they've got a, they've got a ton of talent. Offensive line wise, they've, they're very good up front, run game and pass game. And their skilled players, um, you know, obviously Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard is a, is a solid receiver. Tight end position, they, you know, Mercedes Lewis is a great blocker. And then Tanyan was, you know, had a heck of a year receiving. And obviously their two running backs are stellar too. So personnel wise, they can get away with a lot of this stuff because they have the personnel to do it, to be simple and not have to do a ton of different stuff scheme wise. Whereas like a team like the 49ers, who historically haven't, you know, the last few years haven't had as many skill guys like that have to, they have to be more adaptive and, and do different things. So I think from the practical standpoint, um, you obviously, the, you look at the results and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the last few years under Mike McCarthy, when he almost had complete control of the offense, um, you know, it didn't look this good. So I think, you know, for those reasons, I'd, I'd be curious to see, you know, what, what coach, coach LaFleur would look like, you know, post Aaron Rodgers. I think that's when we can make our decision on that. Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And, of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com. 
S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks Apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them at Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. And maybe we will very soon. I think yeah. we'll find out. I'm kind of starting to lean in that direction myself. Now, when it comes to the Vikings, it was very interesting to me that Rick Spielman said on draft night that the offensive coaching staff liked Kellen Mond because of his mobility and athleticism. And he's got a good arm too as well. But as far as how it fit in their scheme, which is waving a flag that says, Sorry, Kirk, we wish you were faster. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, because you've studied very, you know, varying similarities uh, with teams that run stuff that is, you know, comes from the Kubiak tree. Uh, how much would that help to have a mobile quarterback? Because you go through, uh, and I was thinking about this, trying to come up with, like, who was a real athlete at that position? Jake Plummer was for Gary Kubiak, and uh, obviously John Elway was. But past that, you have your... You know, your your Matt Ryans, your Jimmy Garoppolo's, Jared Goff's coming from this similar sort of play action offense. And even with the Vikings here with Kirk Cousins. And when he was in Washington, he's working with McVay and he's working with Shanahan and Mike Shanahan and running the same sort of thing. So it has sort of been relegated to quarterbacks that do not have mobility where you can move them from the spot. So they don't have to run around like Russell Wilson or something out of the shotgun. You could just roll them to a certain spot, give them a good platform to throw. And it's worked incredibly well for Kirk Cousins. When you look at the numbers and maybe even what your expectation would have been coming from Washington. But I I wonder how you think it would translate to a quarterback like Kellen Mond, assuming that, you know, he could check the other boxes. He could improve his accuracy a bit, that he can, you know, get the offense, get people lined up, all that. But just having an athletic player at that position in this type of offense, like what kind of difference can that make? I think, you know, when you look at it from a, you know, let's look at it from a couple of different perspectives. Let's look at it from the QB run, the, the design QB run standpoint. You can run zone reads. Um, you can run like counter counter gap schemes, um, you know, where, where you got the running back going one way in a shotgun quarterback, running back going one way, offensive line pulling run, running counter the other way with the quarterback. Um, there's, you know, and when you do that, you get, you get a plus one in the run game, right? When your quarterback becomes a ball carrier, now you can run against a single high look and have a half for a half. You know, you're not, you're not trying to, um, you know, leave a guy unblocked or, or do something of that nature. Um, you don't have to check in and out of plays as much when, when, when that's the case. Um, so from that standpoint, obviously that helps. That beats up your run game. You can do a lot more in that sense too give defenses a lot more to prepare for. And then when it comes to like the pass game and stuff, when you got an athletic quarterback, especially a young quarterback who's athletic, you know, as he's trying to learn how to go through NFL progressions and read NFL defenses and how all that stuff works, you know, the spacing, the timing, all that, you know, if the play breaks down, he can just take off and, you know, pick, pick up positive yards for you in that sense too. So it's a bailout. It's a bailout for a coaching staff. It's a bailout for the offense. Um, so that's, that's the inherent benefit of, of it from that standpoint too. I think that that is the biggest thing, what you mentioned there, the bailout, is when teams have sent defensive ends straight up field 
and they guess right. I don't, if anyone has ever played Tecmo Bowl, they know how this works. So you pick the play, and then the defense, you don't like pick a 4-3 or a 3-4 or anything like that. You just guess the other team's play. And this is sort of how it works with the Vikings offense and opposing defenses, is if they just guess – uh, right, that the Vikings are going to run a boot right or left and send someone straight up field from the defensive line or an outside linebacker, it just blows that thing up because Cousins is, at this point in his career, probably runs a five-flat 40, and now you're bringing in someone who runs a 4-6, and we don't know if we'll actually see Kellen Mond at any point soon, but it will be really interesting in training camp and preseason to sort of see some of those plays where you go, that probably would have been a sack or throwaway, and there might be something more to it. And I think that you know, Kyle Shanahan was thinking the same thing with Trey Lance, where Lance is more of a prolific runner than Kellen Mond is. But it's like, I need someone to help me when I'm wrong. Or when the other team, you know, presses A and up and selects the right thing that is blowing up our, our play and plays the right defense, I need someone to fix that for me that Jimmy Garoppolo just isn't going to do and Kirk Cousins just isn't going to do. Right, exactly. It gives you, as an offensive coordinator, you don't have to be perfect every play call. You know, it's – and then – you know, in, the, in those cases, you know, say, you know, he picks up two or three yards on, you know, like a, like somebody comes in on block, but he's still able to pick up two or three yards. You know, whereas before, that on block guy would create an eight-yard loss. I mean, that's just a drive killer. So, you know, from that standpoint, if, if you can do that a couple times a game and save yourself a couple possessions, I mean, that could be the difference in a lot of games. You know, you know, with all this said, too, I, you know, I think, you know, sometimes I see people get too hung up on the whole mobility thing, you know, in general, and especially at the NFL level, even high school you know, to a degree too, and obviously college even more so, um, you know, not quite as much as the NFL, but, you know, especially in the NFL, the quarterback first and foremost has to be able to, to read a defense and, and, and play the mental game from that standpoint. And he has to be able to throw on time with anticipation and be accurate. So all that mobility stuff is great. And it, it's a game changer, assuming all the other conditions are met. You, if, you're just, if you're doing that, if you, if you can't do those things, you kind of see what, you know, the, the Mitch Trubisky experience in Chicago the last couple of years is, is a good example of, of that because he, he was mobile. He was able to do some stuff with his legs, but it didn't matter. Defenses weren't scared of him being accurate down the field or going through progressions, um, you know, on a consistent basis. And this is now Mond, I think, might be good at going through progressions, but, you know, there might be some comparison between Mond and Trubisky uh, in terms of not being the most accurate, consistent quarterback. And so now you're hoping that he can improve that at the NFL level. It might not be very easy, but I think you make a tremendous point because now people are tired of me talking about the Vikings pass, passing on Mac Jones. But I think a major reason they passed on Mac Jones is the lack of mobility. But we can go through the NFL and look at quarterbacks who have been successful that are not necessarily Trey Lance in terms of their running ability. And we can look at guys who have had running ability and have not had a whole lot of success. And usually uh, my point was Patrick Mahomes, who's not even a running quarterback, he scrambles on 9% of his passes, which means 91% are thrown from the pocket. It's a nice thing to right. have. I think I think the thing that you need to have, and, uh, and this is a, probably a criticism of Cousins, but it might be of Mon too, because when I watch him, I don't see this a whole lot, um, is just – just having a, a natural playmaking ability. Like Joe Montana was not, I don't think, a 4-4 runner, but he had a natural playmaking ability. John Elway was a great runner, but but it was when things broke down, being able to do something that takes you to the next level. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely brilliant at this. Mahomes is brilliant at this. And so I think I'm with you very much on people get too caught up on this idea of like, well, we've got to – you know, get X number of yards rushing. And really what you need is when things go wrong to find a way 
to still continue, whether it's stepping up in the pocket, whether it's rolling out, whether it's running, it has to be some answer when things go wrong. And so I'm not sure that they barked up necessarily the right tree with that, though I still like Kellen Mond as an overall decision. But I I think that's really interesting. And maybe just kind of the last thing on this subject, you can talk a little bit about why Kirk has so much success with this because his statistics for his career have been very, very good in playing in this type of offense. I, I'm just interested in your opinion of why a quarterback like Kirk works in this type of offense. So when it comes to so, – so, so a lot of the, the stuff in the Kubiak style offense, it, it's all – it's timing-based, right? A lot of the play, play action, drop back stuff is timing-based, and that's something Kirk excels at. Um, I know you and I were talking about a couple, I don't know if it was yesterday or a couple days ago, the, you know, how, why Kirk is so good on bootlegs, even though he's not really that mobile. And in, in the, in these systems, you know, Jared Goff was the same way, not to the degree Kirk was, because, you know, Kirk was absolutely, has been absolutely incredible, you know, on throwing on the run, um, is you don't necessarily have to be the most mobile guy in the world to be successful with that. You just have to get you, you know, after the play fake, you know, if you're well coached and you do all the right things, which Kirk does in, in, in these cases, you know, he, he, he you know, gets out of the play that gets his head turned. He, you know, he goes through his progression on the run, um, and he, he throws. He has good mechanics when throwing on the run, both to his right and to his left. And that's that's something that you know, even some mobile guys, guys that are super mobile, when they get out on the edge and they're trying to throw as a running right or left, can't necessarily do it, even though they might be great athletes. You know, it's just something that that you can. It can be coached. It can be worked on. So that's why guys, you know, I know for years Drew Brees, they would run. Uh, you know, the Saints would run Q8 smash, which is just sprint right in the high low on the corner, and it's like you wouldn't think. Drew Brees as a sprint out quarterback, but he would throw the ball on his third or fifth step, depending on which receiver he was throwing into or depending on the route combination. And the ball would be out on time every single time. And he was great at throwing once that, that third or fifth step, that right foot hits the ground, you know, getting his shoulders turning and getting the ball out. It's, it's a mechanics thing. You know, it's, it's, less, it's less so of athleticism when it comes to those types of throws. And, and this is a little bit of my point um, that I think that they nailed the type of offense that they needed. Uh, for Kirk Cousins, I think it was way better than having him in the shotgun and fire it over here, fire it over there, make all these reads, make all these checks. I think they really nailed it for what worked perfectly with his skill set. And I always come back to, I wonder how we would look at this situation if he didn't cost what he costs, but you can't separate the player from the cost. So anyway, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thought experiment to say, you know, it, are we really um, focusing too much on the mobility element of it? Because there's a lot that you can sort of do around it or that most plays are not focused on having the quarterback scramble or run. Um, and Drew Brees, must, I mean, he was probably the slowest quarterback in the league at this point. And like you said, he was able to move around. So last thing for you, Justin Fields is a bear in your great windy city there. How's that work with Matt Nagy? This was another one of your books, the complete Chicago Bears manual, which was by far your biggest. Matt Nagy, dial it back, my friend. My gosh. Yeah, um, especially bit, run game. I feel bad for your shipping costs because those must have been yeah, heavy to send out to everyone. Uh, but so actually, the Niners book was longer. That one was. Oh, it longer, was okay. So, yeah. Okay, Kyle. I Shannon. also kind of I also kind of beefed up my analysis, you know, going from that from eighteen to nineteen too. So. So but. Justin Justin Fields, the dynamic runner the downfield threat in Matt Nagy's offense, how's that going to work? So scheme-wise, it's going to look a lot more like the Andy Reid stuff. You're going to see a lot more four verticals than you did uh, the last few years. Now, Nagy did call it, but from 18, 19 to 20, he called it less and less. Um, Play-action shots are going to – they went up last year in 2020, but I think they're going to go up again because Justin Fields is very good down the field, um, you know, pushing the ball down the field. Um, RP, RPO-wise, I'm not sure. 
Um, I know he has kind of a slower release, which isn't very RPO conducive. Um, so I, we'll, we'll see on that end. But I think they're going to push the ball down the field a lot more. They're going to run um, – they're going to run their Y cross concept a ton, which I, I'm assuming they're going to run it a ton because they ran. Uh, he was one of his. That was one of Justin Fields' best plays in college. Um, and the Bears haven't run it a ton since 2018. They have, but not not a ton. Um, so maybe they feature that concept more, which is, uh, in my opinion, one of the one of the bre- a bread and butter pass concept because it works against any coverage, any blitz, any theoretically, right? There's, there's stuff you can do to stop it, but. Um, you know, in general, it's one of those plays that works against like 90% of defense, which is why I like it. I think, especially for a young quarterback, you know, who's coming in, he's familiar with the concept already. In fact, that you can run it against 90% of the defenses, you know, if I were a Bears coach, I'd be pushing to get this play in the game plan each week, um, different, address it up different ways and all that stuff, which I'm sure they will. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's exciting. Um, Justin Fields as a prospect, you know, he, he, the thing that excites me most about him is his downfield accuracy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, that's why it will be an interesting thing to talk about whether the Vikings should have just traded up to get him because they also like to push the ball deep down the field. And uh, I don't don't know if that's really Kellen Mond's game. I think it's much more of a Justin Fields game uh, who has a a very special deep pass. So that will be interesting, though. We're really going to find out about Matt Nagy, in my opinion, because when you have a Trubisky quarterback, how can you judge? How can you really judge when the guy is just not capable of doing the job? So uh, Bobby Peters, the 2020 Green Bay Packers complete offensive manual. If you are interested in really just how offenses work, I'm sure that it would be horrifying for Vikings fans to buy something that said Packers, but trust me, you will learn a ton about how offenses work. If you do this, uh, if you get Bobby's book and just your, I should say you're a huge help to me because we do film pieces for the website and I try to deep dive into offenses and defenses and how all these things work, but I need your help and you are always there for me. So I appreciate you greatly. And people should know that uh, also you have NFL coaches who help you with these books and and break down these offenses too. And so I've, I've seen you, you know, working your magic at the NFL combine and stuff. So it's, it's very cool and I love to see it and I'm glad we could get together, man. Yeah, no, you know, I love talking about this stuff. So, you know, it's, it's fun for me. And obviously, you know, you don't, you don't write a book about something you hate. So, um, you know, I, I have fun doing it. It's a lot of, you know, I, I honestly, you know, I was, I was talking with some coaching buddies. I, I wish more people would do these types of things. You know, I don't have all the time in the world in the off season to, to study every offense. You know, I'm watching some bills tape right now and seeing what Brian, uh, Brian Dable did with the bills. And you know, like, man, I wish I had time to write a bills book and kind of go, you know, watch all their games. You know, I think I've only watched two or three of them so far. Man, I wish someone, yeah, I wish I had more time to do a book on them. So um, anybody, anybody listening who wants to get into breakdown books, you know, if you write a few pages a day, um, you know, you can get it done and I will be your first customer in, in line to, to buy a breakdown book. So it's one thing to, to read a book, to learn about something, but to, to, to write it, to teach it, to, to mm-hmm. go through and actually have to break it down to the depth that you do to write these. Like I, I end up learning more and I end up taking more from it too. So I think that's, that's one of the one of my favorite parts about doing it as well. Right. It forces you to get it right. And you have your own education from it. I felt the same way about the 2017 Vikings season, where when I went back through everything with a fine tooth comb to find everything that I wrote about it, to find every you know quote that I was looking for and all those things. And a lot of, a lot of things didn't match up exactly with my memory. And I really sort of had it um, crystallized in my mind how that season worked. 
And, and I wouldn't have had that without writing it. I was just being snarky because it's one of my favorite things that I feel like we cover everything in the entire world on the show. And then it's one opinion. Somebody won't like it. You hate the team. Like, I guess so. Anyway. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just dial back the snark a little bit in the future. Bobby, I, I always appreciate you, man. This was fun. Anytime, man. Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Okay, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bobby Peters. So this week, the Vikings held rookie minicamp at TCO Performance Center. We'll talk more throughout the week about notable things that stuck out, but I wanted to bring you some of the comments from the Vikings that stood out to me, starting with Kellen Mond. He started out his press conference talking about his goals for minicamp, which starts in a really simple place at how the progressions work and what he'll have to do in order to learn them. Uh, you know, I think just some of the biggest goals are just one kind of learning the progressions and being able to tie my feet together with each of those progressions. And, um, you know, I've watched a ton of a ton of film on just, you know, what Kirk uh, did this past year and um, with, you know, a whole bunch of different plays and stuff like that. So um, that's re- pretty much all I'm focused on. So just being able to have, you know, Nate and uh, Jake out there with me, um, you know, tremendously helps me and um, just being able to kind of sit behind them and just being able to watch them every rep and um, also take reps with them um, I think that's a a huge advantage for me so um, yes it is you know a lot thrown at my plate I feel like I've done a really good job with the information that is given Um, but you know there's still a lot more a lot more room to grow. In the pre-draft process, Mond was highly regarded for his understanding of a pro-style offense because he worked with Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. He was asked how that helped him prepare for his first steps as a Viking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think Jimbo um, did a really good job with me and, you know, one, his scheme um, and also protections. Um, it definitely is, um, you know, I would say different playing under center and um, just pretty much uh, under center almost every snap today. So just really um, getting away from the line of scrimmage and still being able to, um, you know, have quick feet and, you know, tie my feet up um, with all different routes. So um, that's something I just continue to work on. And, you know, like I said, I got Jake and uh, Nate out there um, helping me. I'm able to watch them. And, you know, we do so many drills and, um, you know, different walkthroughs. So uh, that's that's pretty much what I'm really trying to focus on and uh, trying to master as I'm out here. Mond said that he had already been deep diving into the Vikings offense from last year on film, and one of the reasons Mike Zimmer decided to hire Clint Kubiak was because he wanted to stay with a similar system, so everything that Mond is watching on tape should be able to apply to the field, especially when we get to minicamp and training camp. 
Yeah, I mean, um, you know, pretty pretty quick after I got drafted, I got my iPad, and so I've already I've already watched all the 2020 games, and you know, really watched them multiple times, and just um, some plays are a little bit more advanced that you know I necessarily haven't gotten to. Um, you know, we're still on you know pretty pretty a lot of the base stuff on um, install. Um, but it's still a lot of information, so still be able to watch Kirk on um, certain cut-ups um, and certain certain things that I, I really enjoy and um, just really enjoy uh, just watching his execution, watching his footwork, and just watch how he, he's able to, um, you know, just go through reads and pretty much master the offense. So, um, you know, the more I watch him, the more I'm able to kind of mimic, you know, his footwork, um, his cadence, which is uh, huge in the NFL. Um, so I mean, there's there's so much, uh, so many things that I need to learn, and um, but uh, you know I feel like I'm in a phenomenal organization um, with uh, phenomenal talent, and um, you know obviously can't wait to get to work with Kirk. Also, Mond did mention that Kirk Cousins, if you were wondering, called him on draft night and talked about working with him when the veterans arrive. Uh, I mean, he was just congratulating me and uh, telling me he couldn't wait to work with me, and you know I said the same. Um, I mean. You know, just even whenever I got drafted, I knew what type of opportunity it was for me to just um, be able to learn from a veteran, a guy who's been in, you know, multiple systems, who's played under center, um, you know, playing in a, in a great offense and just being able to learn how he's able to lead when he gets out here with, you know, you know, uh, J.J., Adam Thielen, you know, Dalvin Cook. Uh, so just watching how he's able to communicate and just really learn, uh, you know, I'm said earlier, just, um, just him being kind of a, a mentor and just being able to watch him. Um, you know, that's what that's what I'm excited for. I also asked Mike Zimmer about Mond studying Kirk Cousins and what he would be able to do to learn from Cousins' game. I think the biggest thing for him right now is is just learning the process of the plays. You know, getting in the huddle, out of the huddle, calling to, calling the different plays, the different checks that we have. Um, you know, uh, I want him to be himself. You know, we brought him in here as a, a talented athletic. Uh, quarterback and um, just want him to be himself but he can he can learn you know the things he can learn from Kirk are uh, the way that he handles the games the way that he um, goes about his business in the in the uh, classroom uh, on the field how to how to work you know a lot of these guys when they come in they don't they don't know how to be professionals so you know part of that's in the locker room in the training room in the weight room um, you know so I think all those all those types of things. There were also a few notable comments from Zimmer on defensive backs, starting with the trade of Mike Hughes. We can pretty clearly take away from this one that the Vikings didn't believe Hughes was going to work out because of the accumulation of injuries. And Zimmer was also asked about the status of Jeff Gladden. You know, Mike, Mike is a, a terrific kid, and uh, but yeah, he's been you know he's been injured an awful lot, and um, you know we just just you know with the way that everything is now, um, you know we just got to kind of get some. We were fortunate to get a couple corners last year in the draft. Um, you know, we signed uh, Patrick Peterson in free agency. So I think that gave us the opportunity to make the trade. Um, but as far as our corner depth, you know, we're always – you can honestly, you know, you guys laugh at me, but you can never have too many good corners. You know, they, they, just, get, they just get hurt. Mike, you mentioned uh, your depth at corner. Um, is there a resolution on the horizon to the Jeff Gladney off-field situation? Do you have an update for us on that? I really don't. We're just letting it uh, all, all play out. Um, it, I, and I really can't say what I know, so I'll just leave it at that. Christian Darisaw talked as well. He seemed to be pretty confident with how quickly he was picking up the playbook. And he said that he's getting to know Wyatt Davis. Both rookies are expected to start this year. 
Uh, yeah, me and Wyatt, uh, we talked. Um, as soon as he got drafted, uh, he hit me up, and we kind of like just switched the change the numbers and everything, um, so we can start building that bond and relationship and stuff like that. And now, finally being here, um, our rooms are right next to each other in the hotel, so we kind of can hang out and just like help each other with anything we need, like in the playbook as far as me being a tackle and him being a guard. Like we work together, so it's just like the different calls and everything. So it's definitely been pretty cool, it's, like getting out here and like getting to know him better and working with him. There's an interesting dynamic on the offensive line in part that Brian O'Neill is now the veteran offensive lineman and the leader, and Darisaw talked about what he wants to take away from O'Neill, who actually did a good job in 2018 of transitioning quickly from college to the NFL. That's what Darisaw wants to do as well. Um, yeah, he definitely can rely on somebody like that um, who's been like really – in the same position as you, um, coming in as a rookie and just working his way up and starting. Um, and we haven't talked about it yet, but uh, hopefully we can, just so I can give like, little tips and things of, of how he did it so and how he maintained it during his whole rookie season and everything like that. So I'm definitely going to talk to him about just like these little things, uh, how to get through the rookie season and where I should be at coming uh, real like training camp uh, here in July. So I'll definitely talk to him about that for sure. All right, those are some of the most interesting comments that stuck out to me for this week. We'll have plenty more as we go forward here throughout the offseason. So we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Purple Insider.